Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Thank you. I want to say a very big hello as well to everybody watching today. Um, And in particular, of course, a happy Mother's Day to every mum and grandmother and nana and auntie. Um, And you may be somebody who plays a significant role like that in someone else's life. I just want want you to know that we honour you today. And uh, we hope that there's some new ways that you are working out and discovering how to celebrate mum today uh, in this new season. Um, So a big thank you to all our mums, of course. But uh, I also want to just send some love to anybody today who's watching online. And maybe this isn't such a happy day for you. Um, I recognise that there are people, many people in that position where maybe today is a little bit hard. And uh, I want you to know that my love and thoughts are with you today and my prayers are that God would strengthen you on this day particularly. Um, But I want to pray with us before we begin. Father God, we just thank you so much for this day. We thank you, Lord, that today you have made this day and we just, Lord, declare the goodness of God over it. I pray for every person listening, Lord, that your spirit would come and would cover them and strengthen them and would speak a word in season. We thank you particularly, Lord, for all of our mums and for the gift that they are in our world. And I pray, Lord, that they would feel the the presence of God today, that you would continue to lead them and guide them in all that they have to do and all that they are. And so, Lord, we just thank you for your word in this moment. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak profoundly to us as we open the word of God today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, it is one of my privileges in life, uh, and it's no exaggeration, that I personally love being a mum. It's one of the things that I consider as one of the great callings of my life. It's a privilege and it's a challenge all at the same time. I know that many mums would understand that. It's one of those experiences of life that is full of adventure. It's full of the unknown. It's full of the unexpected. You don't always know what you're going to get. It's, it's a be ready for anything type of thing. There's, there's lots of contrasts and contradictions in motherhood. It's full of emotions that I didn't realise that I could ever feel as a mum. And there's a stretching beyond my own human capacity and capabilities. It's certainly one of those privileges in my life that I believe makes me a better person, while at the same time is so humbling and so transforming. You know, as mums, we always seek to put our kids first. We eat what they want to eat. You know that whenever you prepare the meal or there's food on the table that you serve the kids first and hopefully your husband as well. But if there's any food that is to go around, you always make sure your kids are fed first. They always get the last piece of cake before you. As mums, we play what our kids want to play. We take a deliberate priority to show an interest in what they are interested in. And we are involved in their worlds. And for me at the moment, that looks like being a taxi driver all over the city. I'm driving my kids to their friends' houses and their sporting activities and school activities and youth nights and birthday parties and the list just seems to go on. But at different stages of life, 
There are different needs and different demands that our kids have and they're constantly changing. And so our role is constantly changing as well, but we'll always be there in their world. You know, I'd always dreamed of being a mum from a very young age and I knew that whatever else I did, whatever else God called me to do, I had that conviction that I wanted to be a mum one day. I love kids and I could imagine myself as someone's mum. But I have to tell you that nothing can quite prepare you for what it actually means to be a parent. I've since discovered that being a mum means that you're actually on the job 24-7, you're like a 7-Eleven open at all times, ready for anybody to come and ask for something. You never clock off any t- time of day or night. You're still always someone's mum. I've discovered that I can feel overwhelmed and out of my depth and then overjoyed and all the warm fuzzies about being a mum in one day. The full spectrum of emotions can apply at any given day. I've discovered that being a mum means I am seen as some sort of human Google engine. Mums, you know what I'm talking about, who apparently knows where everything is, even if I've never actually laid eyes on it before, or you haven't even started searching for it before, kids, you know what I'm talking about. And that even I know the answer to every question that you could ever imagine, no matter how random it is. I didn't know I would need those superpowers until I became a mum. I've discovered that being a mum means that I will forever love someone else, no matter what they do, no matter where they go. And I've also discovered that being a mum means that I no longer have to fear public humiliation and embarrassment because it will happen, because tantrums. And I'm sure many mums have a tantrum story to tell, and I certainly do. So the problem began when I needed to go to the shop with three children. Now, I know what some of you are thinking already. Why would you even attempt to do that with three very young children? Every parent knows that uh, if you can avoid going to the shop with all your young children, then you do. But uh, I, I had this need to go and, and it wasn't always possible to leave them at home. And so uh, I also had a toddler uh, who loved to run away. Any chance that he got... Uh, any space that he found and he would make a run for it. And so I had this brilliant idea that if I was going to take my three children who were about two, four and six at the time, all to the shop at the same time and I needed to somehow um, manage my toddler who wasn't really happy about being in a pram, what would my other alternatives be? And I came up with this brilliant idea of trying out a kid leash. Now, I like to call it a child safety harness, but uh, I didn't actually, hadn't actually ever tried this before. Uh, My two older children, my six-year-old was very responsible. She would do what I asked. I'm not mentioning any names, but you know who you are. And uh, my four-year-old, he was sort of, he was happy to hold my hand, but my two-year-old, I thought this would be a brilliant idea for him. So he could feel like he could still walk around, he could still explore, he could still feel like a big kid, 
but I would still be able to manage him and have some level of control. And so I'd never tried this before, but I thought I'd give it a go. Um, and these child safety harnesses, as we're calling them, they would, use, they, they would come and they would have this cute little animal on the back. There'd be this tiny little backpack. You could really not fit anything inside them because that wasn't their purpose. But you'd be able to put it on like a normal backpack and then uh, there would be this uh, leash, for want of a better word, that you could hold on to and be able to manage your child. So we went down to the shop uh, on this particular day and uh, my two-year-old, my toddler, was enjoying the fact that he was able to wear this backpack. He didn't know yet, realise yet what, what else was to come, but he thought this was kind of cool. He felt like he was a big kid. And uh, so I had him on my hip as we walked into the shop and my four-year-old in my hand and my six-year-old who was listening and doing the right thing. And uh, as we got served into the shop, I thought, okay, well, here is the moment. So I put him down and uh, he just began to walk and wander as he did. He didn't even look back to see where I was. And I obviously held on to the handle of the leash. And it wasn't very long before he discovered that he didn't have the control that he thought, he didn't have the freedom that he thought. And before we knew it, before I could even pick him up, he fell into the heap on the ground and started to have the tantrum of all tantrums that I had ever seen him have. Needless to say that I never used that child safety harness again. We probably all have stories to tell that we learn of as parents and as mums, but one of the big traps for us in the mum world is the trap of comparison. We see how amazing other people are at being a mum boss or a boss mum or whatever that hashtag is, how well behaved their kids are or how much time they spend with them crafting and baking and doing all those things. And I'm not knocking that at all. I'm just not good at it. Or how patient that they are when their kids mess up. We compare ourselves, whatever it might be. We get a glimpse of their lives and we draw conclusions that are all based on comparison and judgment. And we don't really have the full picture. It's a trap. Comparing can undermine our sense of who we are and why we do what we do. Comparison is all about whether we feel less than or better than someone else. And it gets us stuck in a cycle of envy and jealousy and gives us a skewed view of what is really happening or who someone really is. And it isn't actually a reflection of the heart of God for us or for others. This comparing can be a failing of our own heart, of our own flesh, but it is an opportunity for us to seek the heart of God. The psalmist in 73 in our text today understood the reality of this battle and he offers some thoughts about how to respond. And I wanna invite you right now just to turn to your Bibles and to look up chapter 73. We aren't gonna read that whole um, chapter today. I invite you to do that within your, own, within your own time, but I'm gonna pick out a few verses that particularly speak to us today. He starts off in verse two by saying that, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You see, the psalmist was looking around him. 
He was looking outside of his life and he was noticing people who weren't faithful to God's ways, who didn't love God, but they were prospering. They were living this blessed and opulent life. And he looks at the way that they live, but not just how they're living, the way they treat other people. And he can see that he feels like they're getting away with it all. He's comparing others to himself. And as he begins to do that, he asks questions about his own life and the choices that he's making. And it invites doubt to crowd into his very own world. This questioning leads to a stumbling in his faith and he realises as he stumbles that he needs a godly perspective on his world. And then he says in verse 16, but then when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. You see, the truth is today that we all face these seasons of doubt, these traps of comparison, of having our faith tested through seasons or challenges that perhaps we aren't prepared for or aren't quite sure how to navigate. We can fall into the trap of comparing our lives to everybody else and looking at just a glimpse of who they are and what they do and thinking that they're way better off than us. So how do we navigate these seasons of life? The things that stretch us and pull us and challenge us and even begin to expose really what is in our hearts and what is underneath the surface of who we are. Well, as we go through the psalm today, we're going to see a number of things that he prescribes for us in our response. Firstly, he says that we seek the sanctuary. In verses 16 to 17, he does say, as I said before, when I thought how to understand this, it seemed wearisome to me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Where do you go when you feel that brokenness, when you feel depressed, when you feel like life is hard? There are so many band-aids in this world that we can turn to, so much that can distract us, so much that can promise us that it can help us. And uh, these things don't actually cover, uh, heal the pain, they cover it. The psalmist made the choice in the face of his questions and comparing to go to the sanctuary, to go to the house of God, the place where the people of God were gathered. And when our doubts and fears and our questions come to the surface of our life, among other things, they are indicating to us that we need to, need to seek God. We need to know more of who God is. In the sanctuary and other places that we choose to seek God, the truth of His grace and character become known. Secondly, the psalmist prescribes that we would become aware of ourself and that we would wait for God's plan. It says in verses 18 to 22 that when my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in my heart, I was brutish and ignorant. They're really honest words of the psalmist that he's saying. And as we navigate seasons of life and the rawness and the brokenness of our humanity, waiting on God and understanding more about who He is will help to bring a perspective that we need. We must trust in God's plan and it isn't always something that comes easy to us. But He is the one who knows the heart of man. He is the one who sees our heart underneath the surface. It is not our job to judge other people or, or to even make conclusions about who they are. 
How do you go with trusting in God's plan when you feel the strain of life for waiting for Him to move? I don't know if you've ever had to wait for anything for over many, many years. We waited for 20 years to find our own home. But in the waiting, we've learned more about ourselves and more about the perfect timing of God than I ever imagined possible. It's a testimony to the goodness of God, to His provision, not our provision in our lives. And I look around at our home and I smile at the way that God's plan has unfolded. Without my help, I couldn't have planned it better myself. Today, you may be in the waiting room. You may be seeking God for an answer. You may be looking around at your life and questioning and doubting what you see. You know and believe that He has plans for your life that are better than your plans, but you cannot see them. And so you wait. Can I encourage you in the waiting today and that God is for you? Thirdly, the psalmist prescribes that we remember the hand of God and His guiding Word. In verses 23 to 24, it says, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will receive me to glory. Of course, the Word of God is a lamp unto our feet and it is always a light unto our path. We cannot even begin to navigate this world, this life and our own frailty, our own failings of our heart and our flesh without looking at the Word of God, without using it as a mirror to shine a light upon our lives, upon who we are, who our God is and what we've been called to do. And finally, the psalmist prescribes that for us to navigate our response to life, our hearts must align with God's presence. In verses 25 to 28, it says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. We can have all the knowledge, we can have all the experience, all the theory, all the theology, but our hearts must also understand the presence of God. And here the psalmist understands that the heart is the key in this journey as he compares, as he looks around, as he doubts, as he fears. For each of us as we face things that are constantly competing for our affection and our attention, we must be aware of where the heart affection lies. We must also face the truth that when these things capture our hearts, they can begin to take the place of our affection for God. And sometimes we can find ourselves doubting and fearing and wanting because our affections are more than what they are towards God. So many of things of this world will fade away. They will not continue for eternity. When our hearts are pulling us towards the temporary things of this world, we can be sure it's our hearts that are craving to know our Creator, to be captivated and satisfied in God. You see, the reality of living in a fallen world is that we will face the reality of our flesh and our hearts failing us at times. You and I face situations in our lives every single day, every single week that is a challenge to us because our hearts and our flesh had failed us. As a mother, I'm reminded of my need for God daily. My flesh and my heart do fail me at times. I don't always have all the answers. I'm not 
Google. I'll sometimes feel weary and tired. I'm prone to the trap of comparison and competing. And I can get impatient and I can say the wrong things. I am prone to selfishness and pride. So the reality is my flesh and my heart fail. And it's good for us to confess it. It's good for us to be honest with our God about what it is that's going on in our internal world. The psalmist is confessing that he doesn't have it all together. We are created in the image of an incredible God. And you and I have many strengths, but our bodies and our minds can fail us, especially in the face of opposition and temptation. It's like at the end of the day when we've given our all. You know those days that you come home and you've just emptied your whole life out in your day. You've given every inch of effort. It's a natural and it's a normal part of our humanity for us to be passionate, for us to pour out our lives, to come to the end of our own resources. It could be in sickness. It could be in our weakness, in sorrow. So we get to this point where we ask ourselves on what and on who can we really rely on? That without hesitation, with entire confidence, the psalmist knows that he can rely on God and that God would be his portion forever. Even when his heart and his flesh should fail, when all the powers of mind and body should be exhausted, it's the love of God that would survive and he would find strength and he would find joy in him. Today, you may be in that place of defeat or you may be confronted in your own heart. Your flesh may be failing you. We all have those days. We can make a good effort in our own strength, but can I invite you today to turn your heart to Jesus, to surrender it all to him, to not give up, but to surrender to His ways. The power and the presence of God can and will carry you through to the other side. He is always with you. The psalmist goes on to say in this verse, but God is the strength of my heart. In Hebrew, this means the rock. This picture of God as our refuge and our defence, this unmoving, unchanging rock in our world. In Psalm 18, it says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. You and I can know today that though outward trouble, outward distress may come into our lives, though we may feel weak in courage and hope, Though you may be facing temptation or afflictions may come, the Lord is very near and He is very present to us. Sometimes we can feel crushed by life and we can feel like we're going to break at every, any moment. It is this moment that God becomes the firm foundation to bear the weight of our burden and to not sink under it. The psalmist says today, God is the strength of my heart. And this is enough to help me endure any storm. And you know, nothing quite brings this truth home but when our bodies fail, our physical bodies actually fail us. And quite literally as a family, we have walked the journey with my own dad 
who faced a couple of years ago the uncertainty of his body just beginning to fail him in his kidneys, where both of his kidneys were beginning to lose their, deteriorate and lose their function to life-threatening levels. And it's in these kinds of situations and in these kinds of moments when we do everything we can in our own power, in the natural, in our own strength, when we're facing even our bodies breaking down, that we need to know who it is that we can turn to. We need to understand the power and the authority that God has in our situation. We need to come to the Word of God and we need to seek after Him. And I don't know today what storms you've walked through. I don't know what even right now you are experiencing. But I do know that God knows. And I do know that He sees you and He's right there with you today. And then finally this morning, the psalmist says that God is his portion forever. You see, today the source of my happiness is not wealth, it's not honour, it's not earthly friends, it's not fame, it's not possessions, it's not anything of this world. The foundation of my hope, my most valuable portion will be the fact always that God is my God that He is my friend, that He is my portion. With all the doubts and the questions that you and I have to navigate in life and in our lives, we need an anchor to return to every single time. And at the end of life, to whom shall we cling to as our hope and our joy and our peace and our truth? My last refuge, my sufficient refuge is God. When we come to our final breath, There is no other but God. Nothing of this world will be enough to meet our needs in the face of eternity. For only God can give strength and only God can give true comfort. It will be true that flesh and heart will fail us, but it is also true that when this occurs, none but God can be the portion and strength of our soul. So as I close this morning, I wanna ask you today, How firm is your foundation? In being honest with ourselves, we come to the realisation that we will face temptation. We will face injustice in this world. We will be confronted by the seemingly blessed of others around us that we have to navigate. And our faith can be questioned and doubts can creep in. Our hearts and our flesh will fail us in this lifetime. And we need a firm foundation of hope and life that sustains us in every single season. The truth is that you have been, you and I have been created by God and for God. And our hearts cannot be sustained by anything else but by the one who knows us and who loves us. I'm wondering today that as you reflect and ponder upon that scripture, that chapter in Psalm. If you can say, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Let me pray with you today. Lord God, in this moment, we acknowledge our weakness. We acknowledge our failings. We confess, Lord God, that we don't have all the answers. We don't know how to face every challenge. 
but we thank You for the hope that You have given us, that You will never leave us nor forsake us, that You are always there, that You are more than able to love us and to carry us through. And so Father, right now, I pray for every person listening to this message, every Lord life that is represented. And I pray, Lord, that You would minister this Word into their spirit, that they would get a conviction stirring up within them, Father, that they would be strengthened today by the words that come from Your Bible, Your truth, that say that God is the strength of my heart today. And God is my portion forever. And whatever I face today, whatever I face tomorrow, that I will continue to seek after His heart, that I will continue to know His Word and His presence. And He will be the one that I will run to. He will be the one that I seek. He will be the one that I turn to. And so Father God, may we be a people that are constantly running to the Father. I pray a blessing over each life. I pray for a Holy Spirit inspired day that You would continue to speak Your heart to them as they do what they do today. I pray in Jesus' Name. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.